Well, the epistle lesson appointed for this uh, St. Luke the Evangelist Day is taken from 2 Timothy chapter 4. I think this uh, text was selected for this day because of the fact that Luke is mentioned in it. And it, mentioned, it tells us that Luke, who was a traveling companion of Paul, was with Paul right up to the point of Paul's death when he was martyred by, by Nero. So anyways, this is, so you see the faithfulness and the loyalty of Luke to his brother in Christ, St. Paul. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Do your best to come to me soon, Timothy, for Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Cretan has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. And when you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. At my first offense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed, and all the Gentiles might hear it. And so I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, out of respect for Jesus, we rise to hear the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel is from the Gospel of St. Luke, the 10th chapter, beginning at verse 1. Glory to you, O Lord. There are some traditions that say that Luke may have been one of the 72 that Jesus sent out. I don't necessarily think that's the case, but that's one of the traditions of the church. But it certainly shows that Luke's uh, desire was for the gospel to be shared. It's not to be kept to ourselves, but all of us are called to be evangelists, even as St. Luke was an evangelist. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, in every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking that which they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages." 
Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Well, grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for this morning's message is Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Luke, the evangelist, writes, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. And with this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. This is our text. In the name of Jesus Christ, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. St. Luke was a physician, a doctor of medicine, but he was more than a doctor of medicine. Luke was an evangelist, and an extraordinary evangelist at that. As a doctor of medicine, Luke had treated many sick people. Atrophy of the muscles, blindness, boils, deafness, dropsy, dysentery, epilepsy, hemorrhage, as we see in Luke 8, where the woman's flow of blood was flowing for years, indigestion, insanity, leprosy, palsy, polio, scurvy, starvation, stillbirths, and yes, even venereal diseases. These were just some of the run-of-the-mill ailments that Luke treated on a daily basis with herbal remedies and healing baths and spas and healthy foods and strict diets and meditation and relaxation and rest and personal hygiene like washing one's hands, even isolation and quarantine, and yes, even prescribing much-needed prayer. But Luke also knew, as a doctor, that medicines and other remedies could only take a person so far in life. Sooner or later, everyone, yes, everyone, dies. All are infected with a virus called sin, including Luke himself. Luke is the alone gospel writer who records Jesus' words to the self-righteous Pharisees and to the teachers of the law when he says, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And I have not come to call the righteous but the sinners, the sick people, to repentance. Well, Luke, the physician, knew that he was one of those sick people. He knew that he was one of those people who, because of the sickness of sin, would eventually die. And so he needed the services of the great physician, Jesus Christ. Somewhere at some point in Luke's life, Luke the physician, Luke the Gentile, the outcast, had a doctor's appointment with the great physician. Luke's fatal disease is diagnosed. His sins are 
repented of. The physician's antidote is administered, and Luke's failures are forgiven. His addictions are overcome, and death, which will eventually happen in his life, will have no eternal consequence or eternal punishment for him, for he will live forever because of Jesus, the great physician, who promises him life everlasting in heaven. Luke, the physician, is convinced that everyone needs the remedies provided by the great physician. Everyone, Jew and Gentile, needs to be cleansed of their sin through the washing of rebirth. Everyone, female and male, needs to be cleansed and forgiven of their sin for their mental well-being. Everyone, whether they're rich, poor, or middle class, needs to be vaccinated by the body and blood of Christ administered in the Lord's Supper. Everyone, insider and outcast, needs the camaraderie and the companionship and the compassion of other recovering, healed, and forgiven people. And so Luke, the physician, dedicates himself to being Luke the evangelist. We don't really know much about St. Luke. He's mentioned only three times by name in the New Testament. He was probably born in Antioch. Some speculate, as I mentioned before, that he was maybe, maybe one of the 72 that Jesus sent out. Some speculate that Luke is the Lucius of Cyrene that is mentioned in Acts chapter 13, 1, who was one of the prophets or the teachers of the church in Antioch. We know he was a Gentile, and we know that he is well-schooled in the ways of the world. St. Paul refers to Luke as the beloved physician. And from the book of Acts, which Luke authored, we know that he joined up with Paul at Troas on Paul's second missionary journey, and he traveled with Paul all the way to Philippi, and then he left Paul, he stayed in Philippi, and Paul went on for another seven years going about doing his missionary work, and then as Paul was heading back to Jerusalem for his last visit in Jerusalem, Luke joins up with him at Philippi and travels with Paul for the remainder of Paul's earthly ministry. Yes, Luke was with Paul when Paul was imprisoned in Caesarea. Luke was with Paul when they hopped on that ship and they sailed for Rome. And he was there when the ship had a shipwreck, when it experienced a violent storm and the ship was broken to pieces. And he even said that we gave up hope of being saved. He was there when that happened. No doubt he floated in the water, wondering whether or not he would live or die. But he made it safely to shore with all the rest. And Luke was with Paul when Paul was under house arrest in Rome. And it is suggested that Luke was probably with Paul when Paul went to Spain on his fourth missionary journey, which isn't recorded, but which has some references to it in various letters that Paul writes. His fourth missionary journey when Paul went all the way to Spain and then returned to Rome. Luke was by his side. And as we heard in the epistle lesson for today, Luke was the only one with Paul as Paul was facing the last days of his life before he would be executed by Nero. According to tradition, following Paul's death, Luke ministers in the region of Boeotia in central Greece, particularly in Thebes, And tradition says that Luke, at the age of 84, 
was crucified or probably hung on an olive tree where he died. Luke's greatest contributions as an evangelist is really his two literary books that are included in the New Testament, the Gospel of Luke and the sequel, the Acts of the Apostles. These two works account for more than one-third of the New Testament. And Luke's Gospel answers the question, who is Jesus? Because that's really the ultimate question that we all need to answer. Who is Jesus? Because as we understand who Jesus is, then the Holy Spirit uses that knowledge to bring us to faith in Jesus. And as we read Luke's Gospel, we see that Jesus is the seeker of the lost. He is the Savior of the lowly, and He is the physician of the sick. Financed by a man named Theophilus, Luke the Evangelist, composes and publishes the Gospel of St. Luke and its sequel, the Acts of the Apostles. It was very expensive in those days to write a book, to publish it. Luke's Gospel is an orderly account. It's thoroughly investigated. It's thoughtfully assembled and it's winsomely presented. He winsomely presents the story of Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of Mary. It's a wonderful, wonderful biography that Luke writes of Jesus. For he covers Jesus' birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, and yes, his ascension. And Luke draws upon other published resources. He writes this book. He says so in the text that I read to you. He, there are other books out there, probably Mark and Matthew's Gospels were already out there being circulated, and Luke draws upon some of that material, and he includes it in his, own, in his own work. There were oral traditions that were being spoken, and Luke heard those oral traditions, and then he made them his own and put them into the Gospel of Luke. He interviewed people. He sat down with probably Mary, the mother of Jesus, and she recounted what we have now known as the first and second chapters of St. Luke. She talked about the angel appearing to her. She talked about how the angel appeared to John the Baptist. She, she shared with her, him the Magnificat that she sang, and she shared with him the Benedictus that Zacharias sang, and she shared with them the, the message that the shepherds shared with her of how the angels appeared to them when they were abiding in their fields by, at night, and, they sang, and the angels sang the glory in excelsis, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill upon whom his favor rests. And she shared the song that she heard Simeon sing when Simeon held that eight-day-old boy, baby boy Jesus in his arms. Yes, Luke sat down with Mary and interviewed her and scribbled very quickly as she shared all of those stories and he included them in his gospel. And no doubt he sat down with Peter and John and said, tell me, tell me more about this Jesus and what happened. He probably even sat down with Mary Magdalene and Salome maybe even Zacchaeus, and said, tell me about your impressions of this man named Jesus who is our Savior, who is the Son of God. And why did Luke go to such work? To provide us with his gospel and with the book of Acts? Well, Luke answers that question in our text. He says, he says to Theophilus, he says, I've written this book so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. 
Theophilus, you've heard all kinds of stories about this Jesus, but now let me tell you that I have put together a thoughtfully written book, well-researched, and this is everything you need to know for your salvation to believe in Christ as your Savior. What you believe about him is true. Luke knew that this biography of the life of Jesus would be recited in divine worship services all over the place. And it would be read by many curious and longing eyes, people who were sick and looking for a physician. Luke knew that he was composing a serum that would serve as a bomb to sick people. His sequel, The Acts of the Apostles, would inspire and embolden and instruct followers of Christ to be engaged in spreading the antidote as far as the curse is found. And that's why, at the conclusion of the Gospel of Luke, Luke shares the story of Jesus telling his disciples that they are to preach the message of forgiveness of sins. Well, first, repentance into the forgiveness of sins to all the nations. And he opens Acts chapter 1 with something similar when he, when he says, but you, he quotes the words of Jesus, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so Luke wrote this gospel in the book of Acts so that everyone in this world might come to know Christ as their Savior and be healed by the great physician. Luke the evangelist is writing to an audience that is predominantly Gentile. And these Gentiles would have limited, if, limited knowledge, if any, understanding of the Old Testament the story of Jesus is not only far removed geographically, but it's also culturally distant from, from his readership. And three decades have passed since Jesus actually walked on the earth. Newborn Christians needed an orderly account of the life and the teachings of Jesus so that they might be certain that their faith is, is not misplaced. Jesus' followers are the cultural outsiders who are now scoffed and ridiculed and reviled by pagans. They're persecuted for their faith because they worship another king, King Jesus. And he knows that these new Christians are tempted daily by the devil to regress into their former way of life, the life that they had before they were converted to faith in Jesus. And so he writes this gospel to create Christians, and he writes this gospel so that Christians might be nourished in their faith. One of Luke's goals was with his two books is to disciple people out of their fears and into, into Jesus' peace. Luke's gospel was used in a variety of different ways, as was the Acts of the Apostles. Luke's gospel and the book of Acts helped these early Christians understand who they are as Christians, followers of Christ, people of the way. He helped confirm their identity, that they're connected to the Son of God who's called them and forgiven them and loved them and brought them into a fellowship that's here on earth, but a fellowship that lasts for all eternity. Luke's gospel was a catechetical book. It was actually used by early Christians as they were preparing themselves for baptism and for participation in the Lord's Supper. This is an aside. It's kind of a sad and tragic commentary on Jesus' disciples today. 
when our faith and our beliefs and our practices are shaped more by our news channels that we watch and the social media outlets that we access and the political pundits of choice at whose feet we sit daily than actually the word of the Lord. Oh, that we would spend as much time, if not more, sitting at the feet of Luke, sitting at the feet of Matthew and John and Mark, Paul, Jude. Oh, that we would spend time studying them and inwardly digesting what they teach us, that we'd be catechized by that word as opposed to all the messy words and the mean-spirited words that we hear out in our society today. Luke's gospel was also evangelistic. It was missional. He knew that his gospel would be preached and read. He knew that the Holy Spirit would use the words to bring people to faith in Christ. He knew that the Holy Spirit would use his words to strengthen people in their faith, to embolden them in their faith. And that's why it's so exciting and so uplifting to read the Gospel of Luke and read the book of Acts. I mean, who can't get excited about reading the book of Acts and seeing that here this group of 12 becomes 120 and 120 becomes 3,000, 3,000 becomes 5,000, 5,000 becomes churches dotted all across the Mediterranean world and ultimately the church just grows and grows so that today we have an international worldwide movement numbering well over a billion people. And Luke's Gospel had so much to do with that as he pointed us to Christ the Savior, the Savior of the nations. It was also a liturgical book. I mean, just think about how the Gospel of Luke has shaped our Christmas celebration. I mean, what would Christmas Eve be like without reading Luke chapter 2? And think of the great, magnificent chorals, chorals or whatever that have been created by composers as based upon the Magnificat, the Benedictus, Simeon's song, the Nuc Dominus, and the Glory in Excelsis. All songs that were written to give honor and praise to the great physician, Christ our Savior, the Savior of the world. And think of how Luke's instruction, if I can call it that, has helped shape the life of congregations as he shared with us how the early Christians would gather together daily to study the apostles' teachings and to break bread and to have fellowship and to spend time in prayer. Think of how churches have structured themselves around those four things, really spending time studying God's Word and, yes, breaking bread, having the Lord's Supper together and being fed and inoculated by that, by that healing balm of, of God's of Christ's body and blood, and, and to experience the fellowship of gathering together and to just enjoy each other's company, to encourage one another in the faith, and then to spend some time in much-needed prayer. And Luke's gospel was also an apologetic. He presents Jesus in such a winsome way. It's interesting to me, anyways, that Luke's gospel is often used to share the message with Muslims. Muslims seem to resonate with Luke's portrayal of Christ the Savior. And there are many Muslims today who have converted to faith in Christ because they have read the evangelist, Luke the Evangelist Gospel. Because you see, he answers the question, who is Jesus? 
And Jesus, he says, is that compassionate physician who provides universal health care to all who are sick. He says in Acts chapter, he quotes in Luke 4, verses 16 through 21, he talks about Jesus being in Nazareth, that first sermon that Jesus preached in his hometown. And it's there where Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. He sent me to recover the sight of the blind and to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And so Luke presents this physician who provides his universal health care to all who are sick, to all who are oppressed. And he presents a a Jesus who, under the great physician's medical plans, all are treated. No one is cast away by Christ, our great physician. No one is too lost. No one is too much of an outcast. No one is too much of an outsider for Jesus, the physician, to love and to forgive and to provide care and compassion. And this is one of the major themes that Luke talks about or emphasizes in his gospel that Jesus is the, is the physician of the outcast. I mean, think of it. The Son of God is born to a maiden, a poor one at that, in Nazareth of all places. Well, she was, of course, born in Bethlehem, but ultimately lived in Nazareth. The angels announced the message of the birth of the Lord to who? To the shepherds, who are the scum of the earth. Luke talks about how there's a comparison between the Pharisee and the tax collector, and it's the tax collector he holds up as the one to whom we're to emulate. He's the one who shares with us the parable of the Good Samaritan, that we're to love our neighbor, and it's interesting that in that parable it's the Samaritan who loves the neighbor. He's the one who gives us the parable of the lost coin where the woman searches and searches until she finds that one coin even though she has nine others. She looks for the one that's lost. He's the one who gives us the story of the prodigal son where the son goes off and through his wild living forfeits all of or squanders all of his father's inheritance but then when he comes back his father lovingly receives him embraces him in love. He's the one who tells us the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, where Lazarus is treated very poorly and lives in poverty all of his life, but is the one who is received into the glories of heaven, and it's, and it's the rich man who's on the outside looking in. He's the one who tells the story of the ten lepers, and who nine of them don't come back to thank Jesus for healing them, but the one that does is who? A Samaritan. He's the one that tells us, Father, forgive them, that Jesus spoke those words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He's the one that tells us the dialogue that, he had, that Jesus had with the thief on the cross. When the thief said to Jesus, please remember me when you enter in your kingdom. And Jesus said to that thief, today you, yes you, you a thief, you will be with me in paradise. It's Luke who tells us that it was two lesser disciples on the road to Emmaus to whom Jesus appears and shows himself as the resurrected Lord. It's Luke who, in 45 different places in the gospel in the book of Acts, highlights the importance of the role of women in the early Christian church. And it's Luke who makes it so very clear that we are all of Jesus. We are all Jesus' witnesses. 
all of us are sent into our own Jerusalems and Judeas and Samarias and even to the ends of the earth to bring the message of Jesus to the world. And so Luke, the physician, knows that he needs Jesus, the great physician. And today, Luke, the physician, Luke, the evangelist, reminds you and me that we always need the great physician too. We need the vaccine that Jesus alone can provide. We need Jesus' forgiveness. We need his, need his unconditional love. We need his promise of everlasting life. And Jesus, the great physician, well, that's what he promises us, isn't it? That's what he gives us. In about 10 minutes, we're going to sing the song, God So Loved the World. Words that really make us maybe think more of the Gospel of John than the Gospel of Luke. But in these words, we are going to come to the great physician. And we're going to thank the great physician for healing us, for loving us, for being with us daily. Listen to these words that we're going to sing. Come all you, come all you thirsty, come to the well that never runs dry. Drink of the water, come and thirst no more. Come all you sinners, come find his mercy. Come to the table, he will satisfy. Taste of his goodness, find what you're looking for. Yes, bring all your failures and bring your addictions. Come lay them down at the foot of the cross. Jesus, the physician. Well, we won't sing those words, but Jesus, the physician, is waiting. Jesus, the physician, is searching for you, for me, for God so loved the world. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.